The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. Josh Porter here. And Jason Burkhart. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Episode 38, a very special fireside chat with Mayor Alan Arakawa is just around the corner, but we're going to do the news first. We were really excited <laughs> to get this episode up and running. We've been talking about doing this for a while, and I was just, I don't know, astonished really by the content that we covered in this chat. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. It was supposed to be a 10-minute interview, and we sat there for a good, I want to say close to 40 minutes yeah. with him. Uh, he has a tremendous perspective, yeah. really, really... Looking forward to sharing this with everybody. Yep. Okay. Well, let's jump right into the news, just like you said, Jay. Some amazing stuff that's going on in the world. If you, unless you've been living in a cave, you've heard that President Trump had decided to levy the tariffs that the International Trade Commission had had recommended, which was 30% on imported solar panels. So this is actually a pretty a big deal. A lot of squawking going on through, throughout the industry right now. Okay, it's it's not thirty percent perpetually. It is a four-year mm-hmm. plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tariff is drawn down over time. So the first year is thirty percent. Uh, the second year is what twenty-five. Uh, third year twenty, and then the fourth year will be fifteen percent. Right. So it's it's not just solar panels will be. 30% more expensive forever. Right, and 30%, we're not talking about the installed cost either. We're talking about just the panels themselves, which is which has become a smaller and smaller and smaller component of the overall job cost, right? Well, for sure. Labor is always really, really, figures really, really heavily into the, into the equation. There's now battery and inverter systems that are not part of this tariff. It really is just panels, the actual physical panel, and or uh, cells. Individual right. cells are also covered by this tariff. So if right. you're importing just cells and doing final manufacturing, uh, even within the United States, you're still going to have to pay the tariff. So everyone out there is trying to get a sense for what this means. I personally, Jay, got calls from friends and family saying, I'm so sorry that you're going to have to uh, you know, have this challenge in front of you. And I really appreciated those calls. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, my response was, I don't think it'll matter that much. Right. And uh, we, we tried to, to, you can see out there outside of the solar industry, people are trying to get their head around what this means, right? And both, I'd say, um, uh, you know, on the, the very kind of pro-solar camp, there's a lot of aggressive language out there. And on the very um, kind of, uh, you know, the other side of the, the, the conversation, uh, there is uh, some aggressive language about how, how important it's going to be. What we're discovering is that it's, like most things, that uh, policy that gets initiated, the, uh, the, the truth is somewhere in between there. And I think that there's an article here, you know, this is just a random one. It's on Seeking Alpha. It's the opinion of this fella. I think his name is Kirk Spano. Uh, and he has four takeaways. He says, President Trump's U.S. Trade represent, uh, Representative imposed this new tariff, and as Jay just said, for a period of four years on imported cells and modules. Two, the U.S. is accepting applications for exceptions to the tariff. That's interesting. Three, there are both winners and losers from the new tariff short term. And four, in the immediate and in the intermediate and long term, the tariffs make little to no difference for the bright future of solar. That was a good one that uh, I, I really like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the takeaway we should all have. I think we've been saying that for a long time yeah. on, the, on the show. The, honestly, these tariffs, although they're, they unfortunately went through, it's a relatively short time frame. I mean, yeah, it's four years, but it's not when you're looking long time horizons. It may take more more than four years just to put a large scale project together right um oh so, yeah yeah so yeah. so by the time by the time it's a long time I mean, yeah, yeah it's gonna take a long time and those uh, 
those tariffs are really, really not going to, to make an overall difference in how much solar is rolled out by what 2045, which is where our 100% renewable energy oh, target for us is here in yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that um, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on out there, but I think the reality is that this is a this is a, a, a modest shift in how things are going to actually take shape. You know, if anything, I don't really see any major impacts on our industry, right? We're already uh, got a lot of uh, action here, a lot of energy in this industry. It's definitely taken off. But there is some really interesting conversation uh, out there. And uh, I'll tell you what, one, uh, I don't know if this is, uh, been was scheduled to, so the, this next article here is from the digitimes.com. And this was, uh, they're saying that URE is, is going to set up a PV module plant in the U.S. So, whoa. That well, that's kind, of, that's kind of funny. First of all, who, is, who are they? Yeah, so it's uh, the United Renewable uh, Energy, is URE, a vertically integrated PV manufacturer to be established through combining three Taiwan-based solar cell makers. That's Neo Solar Power, that's Gentech Energy, and SolarTech Energy. Uh, they're going to invest about 300 to $500 million to construct a PV module plant with annual production capacity of 500 to 1,000 uh, megawatts. Fantastic. So this is in within three Taiwanese manufacturers, but they are actually building large-scale facilities inside the continental United States. Yeah, they're talking about it. By, they're going to build the plant potentially uh, by, at the end of the second quarter of 2018. Three companies may jointly build the plant before URE is established at the end of the second quarter of 2018. So it really is, um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't expect to see a bunch of uh, solar power, solar plants go up in, in the United States as a result of this tariff. Is this, was, is that, it, was, is was Josh totally wrong? <laughs> Did, was, was, was Trump completely right? Are we going to have major domestic manufacturing Dogs in the US? and cats living together. Yes, we know. Um, honestly, it's it's I, I can't imagine that this is a response to the tariff. I think they must have been having this conversation for a good long time. Um, it makes sense. I mean, Panasonic has also gone in whole hog with Tesla for that uh, Buffalo, New York factory, right? Um, so there there's a lot of manufacturers that are eyeing the U.S. as a potential place to actually do manufacture for high-end technical goods, which is fantastic, I think, for business. But I can't imagine that they, they found out about this tariff and then just immediately decided, oh, hey, let's go and set up a factory somewhere. You know, it's, <laughs> what's interesting in this article is they say that in-house demand will take up a considerable portion of the new factory's output. So it looks like they're engaged in projects already. Maybe they've sold large-scale projects, and they're looking to basically not have to pay that tariff. So it could be like an insurance policy against their already planned deployed utility-scale solar projects. Sure. Absolutely. And, and I think it makes long-term sense, too, because if this tariff, we've, we've kind of set a precedent that now this tariff is, is done if somebody else requests it or, or we decide to extend it for whatever reason, uh, they would be protected. Right. There you go. Okay, let's move right on to some technical uh, potential solutions for in order to uh, uh, address this, uh, this additional cost for solar based on the tariffs. So there's an article here. This is an interesting one. It's at theconversation.com. And the title of the article is, uh, Can Mirrors Boost Solar Panel Output and Help Overcome Trump's Tariffs? <laughs> what? Well, I, th I think the title is, is trying to jump on the bandwagon of the, the whole Trump tariff conversation. Uh, can mirrors help boost solar output? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. and, what, and what do we mean by mirrors? Yeah, this is really a, a, there's a, there's kind of a clear picture on top of this article if you check it out. Jay and I met a handful of these manufacturers at maybe Intersolar, was it? Intersolar. Yeah. yeah, and it basically what it is is a mirror that's attached to a solar panel and then um, reflects in more sun at any given moment throughout the day. 
uh, in, in order to increase the the the, the energy gen energy generation, the you know the power, and then, and of course the guy's sitting there going, oh this works great, and everyone's up kind of trying to dupe him and say, no no this thing never worked, and it burns holes in the panels, it, it, you can, <laughs> it it'll invalidate warranties. I mean I remember the guy defending himself. He was yeah yeah yeah, yeah really 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 difficult situation. But I mean I if, what I see here on this roof is actually it looks like a, just a mylar over a frame. It's mm. not even that's not even a true mirror like you would think of a bathroom right. mirror or something. Right. It's certainly not glass. Um, so I could see some potential for hot, hot spots because right. it's not a uniform surface. But if done well, um, these things can actually be on trackers yeah. correctly. I mean, that's what they do for really, really large um, uh, solar installations where yeah. they actually boil water with the solar. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a different thing. But, I mean, you can definitely have these track the sun, keep reflected light on the panels more. They would obviously be hotter. I'd like to see some kind of maybe, maybe a sun drum on the back of there to kind yeah. of dissipate oh, wow. some of that Jeez. heat. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, and and, and solar, solar panels as well. You know, we just came out of a Panasonic uh, training conference at the Marriott, and the Panasonic fellows were talking about how five, ten years ago those hot spots were in the polycrystalline days and mm -hmm. the, the kind of earlier iterations of, of solar panels, we would see hot spots. We'd get them here right. in Hawaii because of the droplets of rain and intermittent rain. Right, and right. And you'd see burn holes in the actual panels. But now the Panasonic guys are saying that's really a thing of the past. Our technology now, we don't have those issues anymore. So maybe they're more resilient to this type of amplification of energy. Um, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall. Give me more solar panel. I mean, I, <laughs> give I, me I, more, more solar energy, right? <laughs> so, I, and they, you know, they did recap the, um, the, 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 the tariffs, the effects, you know, 12 times faster than the rest of the economy, solar job growth, and we're going to get an increase of 10 to 15 cents per watt. Um, so, you know, they, 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 that was their, pre, their, their, their initial conversation in this article, and they're talking about how these mirrors can increase per, uh, energy production by about 30% and therefore kind of counter the Trump uh, uh, tariffs, you know, more, gen more energy more generation from the same, from the same panels. Yeah, you yeah. Can get it. So anyway, very Good cool enough. stuff. Take a peek at that. Um, that is our news and events. So we want Oh, and we got a big one actually for Maui. One final note. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The first utility scale solar project on Maui. It actually was supposed to be... Um, operational when it was it was last year they're, they're literally like a year late it was 2016 the end of 2016 you mean something takes a little longer than expected Descent, in Maui some, something takes yeah something takes a little longer um, <laughs> the, the contract was extended um, Miko actually had the option to cancel it and say you know what we're not going to do this anymore but instead they they extended the contract allowed these these guys to have another year uh, and into February the uh, of this year 2018 so instead of December of 2016 we're into february of 2018 but it will it, they've completed construction as of december 31st yeah and they're only going through their final uh checks and um what do you call it the, the actual communications commissioning to, the system, commissioning the system. You know, getting all yeah. the, the, i mean and it's a 2.87 megawatt solar project so that is a pretty uh, for the first utility scale solar uh farm here in maui i mean that's Yahoo. bravo we go. I yes. mean, that is a wonderful thing <laughs> And I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure the fellows that did this are good friends of ours, and they've been keeping it kind of close to the vest. Yeah, um, I, you know, uh, we all know who they are. Shout we can, outs. Maybe we can Appreciate get it. Maybe we can get <laughs> Emily to come in, my former VP of Ops, and see. I think she may be a part of this project, but that's yeah. the extent. That's all I'll say. I don't know what's what's uh, no, what's confidential, and what's not here. <laughs> that they did say that it's Hawaii Pacific Solar, Haleakala Energy Associates, and the owners 
are Hawaii residents, according to PUC Excellent. documents. Excellent. Which is wonderful. Keep that's that keeping money the money here. here in which the is which is one of the things when you when you listen to the mayor's interview, that's one of his key points is that we really instead of exporting dollars for diesel, we should be keeping that in house. That's how we grow this economy and and protect our own here in in, in wonderful Hawaii. Right. So uh, okay, so we uh, have a great show ahead of us. That's our news and events. We kind of rocked through that because the mayor had a lot to say. Yep. And uh, let's are we gonna jump right into our commercial run? Is that we're gonna do commercials right now, and then we'll jump right back with the mayor. So stay. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Aloha, this is Josh and Jay here with the Solar Coaster. We have a, a really special guest in our studio today. Mayor Alan Arakawa, really appreciate you coming on the Solar Coaster with us today. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, it really means a lot to us, Mayor, to have you here. The Solar Coaster is basically a renewable energy themed talk show. We're here right in Maui County at Ko'oi Studios every Friday at 1.05 p.m. And we focus on kind of bringing the, the bigger picture of renewable energies to the community. Our focus is education, so letting everybody know what's out there so that they can make an informed decision. Thank you very much for doing this because it's critical that we get everybody to understand that we have to move to 100% alternative energies. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Here in Maui County, we're trying to create the path to get to 100% alternative energies. So we're working on a lot of different programs to be able to actually achieve the goal that we set out to achieve. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's quite another thing to actually go through and create the situation that we want it to occur. So we've been having a lot of the discussion, and um, one of the things that we're trying to push this year at the state legislature is to have wheeling. Wheeling is the ability to use the electric lines, the my electric lines, to be able to take energy from one point to another point. Wow, that's a big, big step. It, it's a huge step, and it's very necessary because, you know, currently without wheeling, if you produce all the energy that Maui needs in Haiku, you can't take it to Kahului. Mm. 
or you can't take it to any other point of the island. So you can only use the energy that you're producing right where you're producing it. Right. You can't even take it off property, really. So having the ability to, to wheel, to be able to move energy from one point to another throughout the community allows people who produce energy to be able to find someone to consume energy anywhere on the system. Wow, that's very exciting stuff. We're, we're really approaching kind of virtual power plant uh, type of technology and, and, and adoption here in, in, in the county. Organizations like Sonnen Battery, for example, mm-hmm. they discuss wheeling on a regular basis in Germany. Right. And that's really exciting to hear that you've, you've, you've taken the initiative on that. Yeah, well, we're actually trying to push that legislation through this year, legislature. I'm kidding. Excellent. So it's, it's one of the efforts that we're, we're working toward. Last year they were discussing having community photovoltaic systems and having the community being able to utilize the combined photovoltaic panels for that community and credits for that community, which is a form of wheeling. Mm-hmm. But what we wanted is in a more pure sense to be able to create energy and move it throughout the system. Now, I firmly believe that if wheeling is allowed within five years after it's passed, we will have 100% alternative energy creation. I think it will be that fast. Wow. We have the capability of creating all the energy we need within our community. Mm-hmm. It's how we distribute that energy from one point to another, and it's also how we back it up. Now, we have projects that are going on right now. Uh, we're we're going to be working with a company to do about 500 acres of biofuel. Mm-hmm. And at our Kahului Wastewater Plant, we're going to be creating that biofuel energy production center. I'll call it that. So we're going to be taking a lot of the, the, the county facilities and we're going to be creating the energy that we need to be able to, to run the facilities. Now, we've had the capability of taking ourselves off-grid for a long time. We've, we've put up photovoltaic cells at a lot of different areas, but we've been working with Maui Electric Company, so we don't want to take ourselves completely off-grid until they're ready for us to be completely off-grid because we have to be cooperative, and we don't want all of the costs to go on to the citizens who are not off-grid. Mm-hmm. No, because the the reality is that you need a critical mass of customer base to be able to keep the electric company's process alive. Cover those infrastructure costs and uh, to and also the reactive yeah. load. If the, if the county were to go off, right. uh, there could be a significant change in the way they actually model their energy there'd production. Be, there'd be a huge change. Yeah. And the fixed costs that they have are fixed costs that they have. So mm-hmm. many are long-term costs. So we have to be able to try and balance off how we're going to adjust so the community doesn't get hurt. Slowly but surely, we're working also with creating um, charging stations for electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. And when we start doing that, one of the processes we're looking at is to try and create independent energy sources to be able to charge the charging stations. Mm. So on-site so solar on-site. and storage to be able to manage right. the charging stations. Because it doesn't make sense for us to have electric vehicles and then still have petroleum-based energy being created to power the electric vehicles. Mm. So we're working to try and isolate that. And the county is also working toward getting an all-alternative energy vehicle fleet. So we've made a commitment statewide, all of the counties have, to work toward getting that done by 2030 or 2035's agreement. We think we can get it done by 2030. Excellent. Um, We're working with uh, some Japanese companies to be able to create the charging stations as an independent business and also to try and unify all the different types of chargers mm. into one commodity so that you know the companies that are putting up the charging stations can now universally charge any kind of vehicle. So right. if all the vehicles have the same kind of hookups, then it makes economical sense 
to be able to put up these charging stations and everybody can feel comfortable that they're going to be able to charge wherever those stations are. Until we do the universal, and this is being worked on nationally, by the way, internationally for that mm -hmm. matter. Until we can do that, then every car company has their own individual charging stations and you have to have a lot more of those. So economically, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You make it uh, a universal system, then everybody can charge at the same charging station. Economically, business-wise, you, you, you'll be viable. Yeah, just like putting fuel in your car, you know, it's, just it's, like, it's going to fit when you go to the gas pump. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want to go to a gas station, you can you can go to any gas station. Yeah. It may be different brands, but nonetheless, sure. the gas will power your car. Mm -hmm. Right. And we need the same thing for the charging stations. Yeah. Now, when we say charging stations, it may not necessarily be just electrical. So there are adjustments in being made and different sources of fuel. Mm -hmm. When we create the fuel sources, some of them will be solid fuel as well as being able to create the, the electrical power. So when you create a fuel that you can actually translate into something that the vehicle can utilize, then you have different ways of, of dispersing that. So at our landfill, the Energia project that we're looking at will create an alternative form of fuel as well so that we can actually use that to be able to take to our various facilities and utilize that as fuel to re replace the current petroleum-based electric. So it's really a much bigger picture than simply solar right now. You have a, a variety of initiatives happening. Are we talking about methane for the landfills? Is that the type of fuel you're describing? Methane will be part of it. We have a contract with the, um, the state for the, at the airport, so we'll be piping the methane to the airport, do a conversion for power there. Wow. Um, economically, we have to be able to make the adjustment to meet the goals that we've set of going, getting to be a 100% alternative. And it takes a lot of different technologies to be able to get there. Mm. So we're looking at pump hydro, we're looking at all kinds of different systems. Ultimately, uh, most of the systems that will end, will end up, where I think we'll end up is, we'll end up with ocean-based power, mm -hmm. current uh, temperature differences, or we'll end up with um, earth-based power. You know, when, when we're looking at the, the heat from the earth, and I, I want to say earth-based power because just in the depth of, of soil, you have differences in temperature. Mm. And in some of the Asian countries, I've actually seen units where they go down about 10 to 18 feet, and they use the, the heat from the ground to thaw out the sidewalks and to be able to cool buildings. Yep. Mm -hmm. you know. So just the temperature differences can make a difference. It, it doesn't have to be volcanic action. Yeah. There's a lot happening in that area uh, around the world uh, yes. in terms of that temperature differential and working with heat exchanging systems right. to be able to harvest that in one way or another, right? right. Very, very, very interesting stuff. And it, it really feels like when talking with you right now that there are uh, just so many different initiatives happening looking at the full picture of how to reduce our, our use of fossil fuels. Now, one of the conversations we had with uh, in our shows, we've had about uh, maybe seven, eight months of shows, right, Jay? Mm -hmm. And so we had uh, Doug McLeod, the former Renewable Energy mm -hmm. Commissioner, come on. And he was talking about kind of wearing his renewable uh, his Maui Energy Conference hat, right. talking about the issue of renewable energy versus decarbonization. And uh, right now in Germany, there's a, a huge discussion on, about that because of all the forward progress they made with renewables that didn't necessarily get them forward on decarbonization. Right. So any thoughts in that particular area? Well, one of the, one of the um, politically charged areas is actually working with decarbonization versus renewable energy. Mm -hmm. You know, the biodiesel, for instance, is a carbon-based product. Yep. So if you're going to try and eliminate the carbon footprint, biodiesel is not the replacement for the fuel that you want. 
but yet it also eliminates a very uh, necessary byproduct, which is the fats and greases that we create. So somehow you've got to get rid of that. So there is a benefit to having the biofuels being used as well because it eliminates the fat and grease from our system to a large degree. But it is a carbon-based product. Right. Okay. So we're not gonna, I'm not going to say we're going to do 100% elimination of carbon-based because there is a need to be able to get rid of some of the carbon that's created in various forms within our community. The trash energy program, for instance, all the, all the paper and all of the, I'm going to say all, all of the organic products that we have can produce energy as well. Right. But it is coming off of a carbon-based product. So do we want to keep all of the trash and not utilize it? Or do we want to utilize that as an asset and get away from fossil fuel mm. more than anything else? And my direction has been more toward eliminating the use of fossil fuel carbon rather than all carbon. Yeah. Um, and that, that issue is amplified for I, us here, being here on the islands, because any of the fossil fuel is actually being shipped in as well. Right. So we have a use of fossil fuel to get the fossil fuel here, right. uh, which is kind of double, double duty. It, it is, but again, understand, when you're looking at economic development, pure and simple, you develop the economy within the community by either developing more product and developing more sales of that product, or you don't spend as much money outside of the community and you keep the money within the community. Mm. So all of the money that we're spending on petroleum is money that is being exported from our community, which is negative. If, we can, yeah. if we can stop buying oil, then whatever is generated within our community now stays within our community. That's a great point. So that would be a huge economic boon for our community. It would be probably the largest economic engine that we have but it would be a cost savings yep. for the community. But it's an expenditure that would be eliminated. And that is what our goal is. It's not necessary to eliminate all carbon because in nature, we have to have a balance within our systems. You have to be able to get rid of some of the carbon-based products that are created naturally. All the, all the trees, for instance, you know, if you don't, you don't call some of the trees, you have an overabundance and you can't do anything with it. And it becomes a pest. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's the same, a balance we're searching for. There's, there's right. always a balance. So what we have to be able to do is create the best environmental position that we can, not necessarily just eliminating all the carbon. Mm. Uh, uh, Mayor, um, we had uh, the president of SIA, the Solar Energy Industries Association, mm -hmm. on last week. A really great show. Abigail Ross Hopper. She just uh, she's negotiating with the White House as we speak. Some new uh, articles coming out, and uh, you know her perspective was she said really uh, that. Maui, Maui and Hawaii in particular, but also you know Maui specifically, is really this kind of uh, template, this this opportunity for the rest of the country to kind of see how to do it. And yes. uh, she, you know, she really was there to support, I think, this community. And we asked her, well, what would you say? What would you ask Mayor Alan Arakawa? And you know, she said, actually, you know, the big question really is, and, and we're also planning on discussing this with uh, the the 2018 mayoral candidates. And so the, the real question is, what is the community looking for, and how, how what can we hear from the community? You know, so a lot of people in the community, when we went out to ask them, they, they have questions like, well, we don't understand why it's taking so long. We don't understand the delays with the utility. I don't know if you recall, but in 2012, we met in your office with the yes. Kaiapakui Fellowship. And uh, I asked you a question. <laughs> I said, hey, here's my friend Chris. He has three kids and a $300 electric bill. And at that point, the utility was saying you can't get solar, right? So th that tends to dominate the questions in the community when we put that question out there. Do you have anything to share about that? 
Well, you've got to realize we live in a very political community. Okay, there are people that um, depend on the utility, and a lot of jobs are, are associated with it. There's also a, a lot of rules and regulations that have been created over time to be able to protect the utilities, which is why we have the Public Utilities Commission. In order to get through all of those layers of bureaucracy, you have to be able to take one step at a time and you have to sort of prove, prove out that what you're going to do will work. Mm. And you have to be able to, to make it work in a way that doesn't detrimentally affect everybody else. And one of the, the issues that came out, for instance, is the electric bills, right? So all of us that went on photovoltaic systems, and I have a photovoltaic system, now in, initially the electric company was saying, well, that's great, right? Then all of a sudden they went, oh, wait a minute, our bottom line is being affected. Now how are we going to pay for our fixed costs if all of these people are no longer customers? So they have to raise the rates on the people that are still on the system. That's an adverse impact to the members of the community yep. that couldn't, they, they were renting, they couldn't buy their own systems. So you have to be careful to balance the adverse impacts with the advancement that you're trying to make. That's the role that we play in government is to make the transitions as seamless as possible with as little damage to the community as possible. The time frame, and I think I told you at, at that hearing, we could have we could go to a hundred percent conversion today. We could actually go to a hundred percent conversion very very quickly if we take all politics and you take the the funding aspects out of the picture. Hmm. We could create enough battery um, reserves just by buying the batteries and having it there. We could literally go through all of the, the different um, sources that we have and look at all of the, the alternative energy sources, combine them, and we have produce enough power. So if you can balance the batteries when you don't have the, the sun and you don't have the wind, you should be able to, to run the system, take it all offline. We could do that. But economically and from a practical basis, how do you make that conversion so everybody can benefit from it. That takes time. But do I believe that we could be 100% alternative energy? Absolutely. Do I believe that it can be done quickly? Absolutely. Do I believe that we can do it all in a way that would benefit the community to the highest level? No. Mm -hmm. we, we can't do it immediately without creating an adverse impact on many people within our community. But can it be done? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we had uh, Melissa Miyashiro, Jay, on mm -hmm. a couple shows back and uh, mm -hmm. from Blue Planet Foundation. We have Hank Rogers on the show uh, tomorrow, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, he's receiving the uh, award from Hawaiian Island Land Trust and uh, this weekend, uh, Saturday. And But Melissa was on to talk about the recent PUC discussion about community solar or the order, I right. think, mm -hmm. about community solar. So there seems to have been some uh, progress in that regard to yes. try. And, and look at that as a real kind of forward movement and democratizing access to solar for the community. How, what are your feelings on that? Well, this is why PUC is being very careful and slowly doing things mm -hmm. because they're looking at the negative and the positive impacts. Do we believe that you can do community-based solar? Absolutely. Can, can we? There were companies, and many companies were bidding to try and create huge solar banks, mm, uh -huh. right? Maui Electric did a study um, some years back that 
said that we could buy batteries and we could um, install them and within a five-year time would pay back the cost of the batteries. Yep. Okay. Wow. They actually did a study back then. We we know that. Yep. But they chose not to do it. Okay. Why is that? That was a business decision. Mm. So uh, um, just on that same topic, uh, there was a a discussion for a while about um, uh, actually, I think maybe a study had been commissioned by, I think, your office Mm -hmm. regarding the potential acquisition of the utility. Yes, um, energy report. Energy report. And uh, so uh, where does that sit at this moment uh, right now? We were doing uh, more research and we're looking at it. We know we know we can do 100%. Mm. Uh, That's not even a question in my mind. It's what kind of system do we want to convert to? Mm-hmm. And that's being debated. Right. Now, at one point, we thought about creating a county electric company. Mm-hmm. And a county utility is not new, by the way. Our water department is a utility. Mm-hmm. Our wastewater department is a utility. Right. So we have utilities that, that we can run. Owned by the county. Yeah. Owned by right. the county. So it's not a new concept. So if anybody thinks that the county can't run a utility, uh, we already are. Yeah. We considered doing it, but at the same time, we don't want to have the negative impacts to the community. So we're, again, trying to balance off the negative with the positive. But at the same time, we're trying to change the legislation. We're trying to change the process. Now, we've had many, many debates with the electric company. You know, when they were asking every individual to do studies, if you want to put in a photovoltaic system. The IRS in, study. Yeah, put it in a couple <laughs> couple of thousand dollars and do a study. Well, we pointed out that that was ridiculous. Yeah. You do one study, you know what the system capability is. You don't have to have each individual doing that. Yeah. When, they were, when they were talking about um, almost everything, the uh, cost avoidance, mm. right? They, they're going, well, you know, the cost of, of petroleum is such... Therefore, in order to, for us to buy uh, your alternative energy, it has to be less than what we pay for petroleum. Mm-hmm. Sounds really logical, right? Tell me, what's the cost of oil going to be next year? Right. It's what's like, the cost yeah. of oil going to be next month? Yeah. You have a volatility, right? Well, so. it's, it's, a, it's a very fluctuating market, and nobody knows. Right. So to say, well, we have to, we have, this is the cost that we are looking at to avoid, it's a false it really it's is totally made up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a false premise. Yeah. So, come out with all these technical kinds of uh, computations, but it's all based <laughs> on a false premise. Right. You so, know, um, we, we, I, we read a lot of articles trying to prepare for which news is most relevant for the show on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. and there was a term that was used recently. Do you remember the uh, the utility game of whack a mole? And I thought that is exactly what we've been dealing with. The IRS studies, for example, you know, we as a a small company, local Mm -hmm. uh, company here, and this is separate from the Solar Coaster, Maui Solar Project is my UPC. And uh, we constantly come up with ideas from a marketing installation, community, a grassroots kind of collaboration perspective. And I remember we put together these uh, uh, posters and ran them Mm -hmm. like in the news where people were holding hands saying, hey, there's a rule. You can share your IRS study. (laughs) And uh, we tried every kind of mechanism we could. Could, and then there's a new barrier after that, you know, and but, for but years. That's what the electric company was doing for, for the longest time. Yeah. And, you know, then, then the, there's the, um, well, you know, all this equipment is going to cost us a whole lot of money. And we pointed out 
you've got the equipment that you're running at Kahului that's World War II vintage. Where's all the money that we're spending on every bill for right. upgrade of equipment? Where's that going when you haven't changed your generators in Kahului since World War II? Right. Mm. Well, so with with that kind of a, of a of a partnership, it sounds like there's a lot of dialogue going on between right. the county and the utility, and there certainly is this conversation about potential acquisition of the utility. It, would you say that's still at play as a potential, or would you say that's kind of uh, is that DOA right now? We're working towards something else. We're 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 trying to create a model whereby the utilities realize, and, and they've they've come out and they've basically said we're going to go to 100 percent alternative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have come to the realization that they can't fake their way through it. So <laughs> it was kind of a shock when they when they first came out and they said that. Yeah. Because for the longest time they went, there's no way you can possibly convert uh, and not use fossil fuel, right? I mean, initially when I started talking about 100% alternative, everybody said, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. can't be done. And that wasn't that long ago. Mm. You remember our first conference? Yeah. And everybody's kind of laughing. And then within a year, we're going, well, we're going to go 100% alternative, right? The electric company was going, well, no way. It's going to take all these decades to be able to do all the conversion and everything else. But everything that they've put up as barriers, you notice we've kind of moved the, the, the barriers, and they've had to adjust. So they're in, a, they're in a process of some very, very rapid adjustment. You know, at one time they thought, well, you know, We've been with the community a long time. We're community-based. We're always going to be community-based. And then they go, well, we're going to be selling our entire <laughs> investment to a Florida-based company. Mm-hmm. The next era right? acquisition. Yeah. The next yeah. era acquisition. And we went, how is that going to be community-based? You know, How are we going to be able to have conversations with the board of directors that don't even care where we are? That was right. a concerning time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we went through all those discussions, and every time we come up with a false premise we've been trying to knock it down and from the county perspective we've been doing this on a regular basis but we have to work with the utility and the board of directors is up here in outer space and but the local people we have really good conversations we're 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 really trying to work toward goals that will allow the community to become involved Hmm. Um, ultimately the we will be a hundred percent alternative Ultimately, the utility company will either be a participant in creating alternative energies or they will be just out of it, the energy production. So one of the concerns about the utility, and I think for other utilities around the country with renewable energies, is that now that they've identified that 100% renewable energies is as possible or major and adoption is as possible, then they're looking to own that those in, right. that infrastructure. And uh, so, uh, you know, for example, there's some discussion, and this is something I've had conversations with other, you know, engineering firms across the country mm-hmm. uh, of the utility pushing out past the meter, taking right. that client relationship and building out um, uh, solar through that mechanism. Because rooftop is a, is a low-hanging fruit still. So um, any thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Well, the, from a business model, any sane business is going to try and protect its assets. Mm. The utility is going to try and protect its assets, which is its customer base and production. So, yes, they're going to try their very best to do that. Now, when NextEra was coming in, if you, re- it was kind of in, uh, as a side issue. NextEra was trying to put in a wind bank yeah. out in Canayo that would produce 100% of the energy that's needed. <laughs> right? Yeah. They actually had a proposal to do that. 
And they were claiming they were, they were independent of the Next Era company that was trying to do the acquisition. But as soon as the Next Era acquisition fell through, the wind farm disappeared. See you later. Right. Right? <laughs> but the discussion of could they produce 100% of the alternative energy, absolutely. They were planning to do it that way. They were going to do it, yeah. They were going to do it. Now, with the wind energy, were they going to have enough emergency backup to be able to have firm power? They were going to do it. What, a, what, okay. an, what an interesting con- concept because we we're really talking earlier about exporting our dollars in petrodollars. And right. with the acquisition of the utility, we're just exporting our dollar in kilowatt dollars or whatever to Florida uh, if they own the renewable sources, right? So right. it's just – it's cleaner, but it doesn't help the community in terms of the big economic boom that you were describing. Right, and that's why we're trying to keep it so that the, the industry here is the ownership of the power production yeah. because the jobs that we create should be kept within our community. All the people that within the community that are, that are working in this industry, we want to be able to keep the revenue generated within our community because that is the economic development model that we're looking at. Not take the money from one company that's foreign to us to another company that's foreign to yes. us so that we export that money out of, out of community. And whether it be a foreign country or some other place in the United States, if it's being exported from our community, it's still exported from our community. Mm-hmm. We want it to stay here. And if we can do that, we're literally going to create billions of dollars of revenue for our community. Now, understand the magnitude of what we're talking about. In my lifetime, the population of Maui has grown from 35,000 to a daily population base of over 200,000. If you add the tourists to the local population, mm-hmm. we have over 200,000 people using power every day within our community. Yeah. That's in a little over 60 years. We've gone from 35 to 200. About every 20 years, we double the population within our community, historically, mm. if you look at the trend. Okay. Now, let's assume that this trend continues. No. Within 100 years, we'll be at over 800,000. Think of the energy production that we, we will be saving, and the money economically that we'll be saving if we produce that energy within the community and keep that revenue within the community. Think of how much we have to export if we're setting it someplace else. Huge potential loss versus a huge potential gain for this one major decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know... The businesses don't want you to think 50, 100 years from now. They don't, want, and they don't want you to think that there's a possibility of any kind of growth within our community. They want you to think today. Mm. If you think today, the model that you're looking at is very different at the model that you're looking at if you draw it out. Okay? And again, we've gone from 35 to 200 in about 60 years. That's not even 100 years. Yeah. Okay. So we're at 200. In 20 years, we'll probably be at 400. In 40 years, we'll be at 800, if you look at the pattern. I'm going to assume that at some point this community is going to say, that's too much. It's going to plateau. Let's, let's yeah. limit the growth and let's figure out how we're going to limit the growth, which is what we should be doing, not just allowing it to grow. Because when you take, you know, let's take agriculture. We say, well, let's protect agriculture. Look at Haiku, Makawao, all those areas that used to be ag. They're, they're all gentlemen estates now. Mm-hmm. Right? 
So all the people that are saying, well, you know, let's keep it all ag, they're the ones that are living in all the agricultural areas and they want the big gentleman estates. At some point, we're going to have to be able to say, this is what we want as a community. This is the, the picture that we want to create. How do we create that picture? And that's sort of what I'm working on. Yeah. Do you think that um, 20 years out, 400,000 daily residents of Maui County is something that, can you see that picture? Yeah. I could, when, when we were living and we had 35,000, I couldn't picture 50,000. Yeah. You know? And then I couldn't picture 100,000. I've lived coming. through it. Right I've now. seen where the sugarcane industry disappeared. I've mm -hmm. seen where all the pastures that we had in the upcountry area have been converted to housing. I've seen the pineapple industry disappear. We look at Molokai, Lanai, and look at all the changes in the communities. I've seen this exponential growth that everybody says is not possible. So do I think it's possible? Absolutely. But are, are we able to maintain, I mean, um, I, from my perspective, I have a, a much shorter uh, timeline time than you do, 10 years, right? So do we have the capability of it? Well, do, well yeah. Do, can, we, can we preserve all of the things that are so remarkable about Maui County it, it, with, with that type of a population base? No. It's trade-offs. I used to be able to go to the beach in McKenna and be the only one on the beach. The trade-off is mm -hmm. today I go to McKenna and i got to share it with 100 other people. I used to be able to drive on the road at night and not see another car. Today, I've got to be able to, to look at all the lights glaring at me as I'm driving along the road. I mean, there are always trade-offs, and that's what we have to be able to plan and we have to be able to foresee. What are the trade-offs that we're looking at as a community? You know, how are we trying to be able to create what we want to preserve? Everybody that came here said, you know, Maui is a great place to live. This is a great place to raise our family. And then they add it to the population, and they're going, well, the next person, we don't want them to come. And then those people will come in, yeah. and they'll yeah. add to the population. So we go from 35 to 200, right? Do we want to say anybody is bad? No. Everybody that came here has good intentions. There are a lot of good people that moved to the islands. But nonetheless, they're changing the character of the community. The characteristics are, are definitely adjusting. If you live in Haiku, 20 years ago, you could make the trip to Kahului in 10 minutes. Yeah. And some of us used to do it in seven. You know? <laughs> but you could do it before. Right. Today wow. you can't do it. Yeah. Right? I came in along that road today because I live in Haiku. Right. Yeah. And if the population grows anymore, when we're looking at country roads, you're not going to be able to have traffic move at all. It's going to become gridlocked which is why we're talking about a Paia bypass, which is why we're talking about all of these things that need to be considered, even though we don't want to consider because we want to say, no, in our minds, we're never going to grow anymore. That's mm -hmm. not real. You know, when, it, when we talk about traffic, there's actually, from, from our perspective with the show, we cover the, the nexus of electric vehicles and, and, the, uh, and the grid and, and renewable energies. And so this concept of uh, ownership of electric, of electric vehicles, of autonomous vehicles, right mm -hmm. around the corner, could really impact the way traffic flows work in the next five years. It could be a bit of a change in our, in our assumptions. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I've been talking for over a year now. Don't, don't discontinue flying vehicles. Yeah. You know, I, I can actually see... Somebody getting into into their little jet pack and just like the Jetsons used to you know, <laughs> yeah, back yeah. in the cartoons in the fifties. Yeah, but right right now when you're looking at drones, the the big companies are already trying to use it to Harry 
carry cargo. So they're testing these right testing. now in Dubai for passenger travel. Right. Uh, the 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 what two hundred uh, hundred kilogram payload drones. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna have a drone episode shortly. I'm sure Brian Jason's yeah, probably gonna be cover able to chime it. in on that. Um, but do you see something like that possible for Maui County? I didn't think we'd ever get the phones off the walls. <laughs> do I think it's possible? I mean, how can you possibly talk to somebody without a wire? Connecting one phone to another phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know? The technology has advanced to the point where anything is possible. And when you when you're looking at drones, we we can see drones. We can see the the payloads being carried. We we've, we're seeing where vehicles can be programmed so that they can actually have vehicle avoidance. They can actually be GPS from one point to another. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about autonomous vehicles, autonomous meaning driverless vehicles, we can see that all being programmed in. You can do the same thing with aerial. There's absolutely no difference, right? So can I see that? That's why I was predicting over a year ago that we'll probably be seeing drones within the next five to ten years. Even with the trades. <laughs> Even Well, think of how convenient it would be. You, you get up in the morning. A drone can be very small. Mm-hmm. You don't need your big garage. Yep. Right? You take your drone out of the closet. You unfold it. You fly to, your, to the office. You fold it up. You put it in a closet. <laughs> think of all the space that you save. Right? Think of the convenience of not having to buy that car. Because drones right now, you can buy a, a good drone for a couple thousand dollars, mm. right? Yeah. If you if you if you look at something that can carry a payload, let's say it costs ten thousand dollars. What does the what does a car cost you now? Right. And can they put all the fancy trimmings to make one drone look nicer than the other? Absolutely. Oh yeah, of course. Right. Porsche drones. Oh jeez. No, <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll get into it. They'll get into it. Yeah. I really appreciate the honesty. This is awesome. Uh, we one last question, if we may. Um, You've been really honest about the um, the past and the present, your, your outlook through here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had uh, one thing in the renewal space to communicate to your successor, what would that be? Progress will occur because the communities demand it. And you cannot stand in the way of progress. So unless you're willing to be able to constantly evolve you die and the community will die unless it's allowed to constantly evolve so my my bit of wisdom is be part of the evolution don't try and stop it okay direct it in the way that we think will best help the community fantastic well, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this has been Mayor Alan Arakawa uh, here on the Solar Coaster. It's been our profound honor and privilege to have you on board. Well, thank you very much. And this 10-minute interview sure lasted a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we squeezed it out. Yeah. All right. Thank, thank you again. You, thank appreciate you. Have a great day. Wow. Okay, Jay, that was just um, what an interesting experience that was to sit down with Mary Arakawa. Yeah, like I said, it was really much more insightful and reflective than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, for a 10-minute interview, we got a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of pinged us at the end there. A little bit, Uh, a little bit. I I got the sense that, um, that it was a nice opportunity for the mayor to be able to share his experience 
and somewhat reflective uh, of not only his term in office, but also his entire life. Yeah, his life here on Maui. I mean, he, he's got this tremendous perspective. We, I mean, we tend not to think about it in those terms, but if you think back, remember the first time I was here, there's just cane fields uh, coming out of the airport. So, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. and I'm not not quite as quite as old as he is. But. <laughs> so, uh, really, uh, big big thanks to the mayor's office for facilitating that, uh, to Grace uh, Ishi, and to the rest of the staff for. Uh, helping us kind of coordinate that that interview. That was a, a great experience for us and for the coaster. So um, we actually have a uh, great, this is a great segue opportunity here. Yep. We have confirmation from uh, all uh, all three of the kind of front runners front that runners, I'm aware right. of right. in the 2018 mayoral race. So effectively, that message from Mayor Arakawa to his successor, we're going to hear from his potential successors in the upcoming months. Uh, we have a confirmation from, um, we actually did a recording and we had a sit down, we had a chat with Mike Victorino, yep. and that was a really uh, good session that we did yesterday, and we're looking forward to perhaps a live visit. Mike seems to be really amenable to that. He's got a lot of experience with radio, uh, and we're going to hear more from uh, Mike moving forward, and then we have spoken with uh, Don Guzman's office and his staff, and they have confirmed that uh, uh, Councilman Guzman presently and Candidate Guzman shortly uh, will be joining the solar coaster in the upcoming uh, couple of months. Uh, with hopefully uh, the renewable, the current renewable energy commissioner, uh, Mr. Rydell, I believe is yep. his name. Yep. So that's going to be a great show too, that's especially with uh, all that expertise to, to kind of tap into. Can't wait. We were, he was on our list anyway, right, Jay? Right. <laughs> right. And then, and then of course, El Co- Ellie Cochran. Ellie Cochran. I got a, a nice phone call from her uh, staff. Over yesterday, uh, unfortunately, she has the flu. She's been bitten by the big bug and oh. uh, is down for the count. She's not doing anything until next week. <laughs> but uh, we hope you get better. And has confirmed that she's doing her research and she wants to get on the show as well. So yeah, you know, that's, it's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. That's exciting. I can't wait to hear from Ellie. She's such an amazing uh, person. Saw her at the Wine on, on Land Trust Buy Back to Beach dinner. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I'm kind of touched that she's out there digging into renewable energies uh, in order to get ready for the show. So uh, that was our first foray into the political interview world. Yeah, right? I know. We are, well, like I said, we always try not to be political, but it seems like such a political topic. No matter where you go, it, it, it touches so many industries and so many facets of life, and that's one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to have to go there. <laughs> hey, everybody, this has been The Solar Coaster. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and have a wonderful weekend. Really appreciate it. Aloha.